What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast, Behind the Line. My name is Luke Wilson. I'm your host. I'm a student here at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, majoring in sports management. And today I'll be talking to you about some players and some teams around the NBA after the All-Star break. So the first topic that I want to touch on today is going to be about Andre Drummond. What I see going on with him, where I see him going. Here's the thing. I'm not really sure why the Cavs just are going to let him sit. They're not going to play him. They're just going to waste his contract and give him no minutes. They're already rock bottom. They're not They're not a good team. They have a lot of young talent, but we saw good flashes of them earlier, but now this far in the season, you can really tell who the legit teams are and who aren't. The Cavs are barely on the bubble to make the play-in game for the playoffs, and I think if they had Andre Drummond on the court, they definitely would be in a better position. He's one of the better defensive centers. You look at him averaging 17 and a half points per game and 13 and a half rebounds per game. It just doesn't make sense that you wouldn't want to play a guy like that just because you're looking for a trade. I understand the aspect of preparing to get rid of him and making sure he doesn't get hurt, but I think that the trade stock with Andre Drummond is high, and a lot of teams don't really value that. He's definitely one of the bigger names in the league when you look at the center position, and I think with Andre Drummond, he brings a lot to the team. It's more than just rebounds and points. I think that he's got a good character. He's got a good work ethic. I think there's definitely things he could get better on, but he's dominant for what he does. His job is to get in there, get offensive rebounds, and get putbacks, and that's what he does. He's one of the most efficient players in the NBA when you look at it on that aspect. I mean, he's on my fantasy team, and he definitely was a good pick for me. I'm thrilled, but I wish he definitely was playing because it I just doesn't make sense to me that you would just sit a guy, especially for how long he's been sitting. He's been sitting for over three weeks now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's definitely been at least three weeks, and definitely it's going to be hard for him to get back into basketball when you've just been sitting for so long in the middle of a season. And so I think just for a guy like that who's competitive, I hope to see more drive from him. Obviously, it's going to be hard for any team to get a lot of drive out of him because there wasn't a long period of basketball where he wasn't able to play last year. And then now you look at things and he's sitting again. So he really got to play about 25 games, 20 games, and then they put him on hold. And so he hasn't played a lot of basketball in the last year. So mentally, that's got to be a lot different for him than most guys in the league because you look at other guys, Clay Thompson, obviously, hasn't played a basketball game in a long time too. So it's one of those mental tolls that it takes on a player like that just to see that you're not valued and just to sit so hopefully that when he gets traded he can keep up his productivity because it's going to be hard for him to stay motivated because he doesn't feel valued the value he deserves he doesn't feel wanted which he deserves because he's one of the better big guys in the NBA now the rumors have it that he's going to end up with the Lakers or Nets and to be honest with you I don't know how I feel about either of those teams taking him you look at the LA Lakers, obviously having Anthony Davis, when healthy, arguably the best or second best big man in the NBA, uh, in my opinion, but you bring in a guy like Andre Drummond, Anthony Davis has been hurt, he hasn't been playing, you want to get Anthony Davis repetition and looks, you're not going to be able to do that as much, He's both numbers are going to go down for both these players, when Anthony Davis returns, if the Lakers acquire Andre Drummond, Anthony Davis isn't going to be getting as many rebounds or points a game, and Andre Drummond sure as heck is not going to be getting that either. So that's what I'm saying is the Lakers don't need a big guy. They have Montrez Harrell coming off the bench for them right now, one of the best six-man players in the NBA. So they don't need another big guy. They have Anthony Davis and one of the best bench players in the NBA in that position. They also have Marcus Gasol. And 
I know they're saying that they don't believe that the Marcus Gasol situation has worked out as good as it should. But Marcus Gasol's old. I don't know what they're going to expect. The Lakers right now, they're a scary team when Anthony Davis is healthy. And the, the, the real question is, can he stay healthy? Because he's been out. They're taking his time back. But I don't think playoff seeding matters to the Lakers. Because once they're healthy, I think they're going to run the Western Conference. And so... It's one of those things that I don't know how I feel about them wasting money on Andre Drummond. I think he could make a lot more money if he went somewhere else. The same thing with Brooklyn. You look at, they have Harden, they have Kyrie, they have Durant. They just signed Blake Griffin. They don't need Andre Drummond. They have DeAndre Jordan. They have Nicholas Claxton. He's a great young big man who's been getting lots of minutes lately. I don't think they need to bring in Andre Drummond. And I think there's a lot of other teams in the NBA that could benefit from having a guy like Andre Drummond on their team. Andre Drummond, like I said, he brings a lot to the table. He's board dominant. He's an offensive menace. He can't be stopped in the offensive end of the court, in the paint. Guys and teams can't stop him individually. He's not a good finisher, but when he's dominant, he's dominant. And I think that there's a lot of teams out there that could use a guy like him right now. You look at all the good teams in the NBA, they all have a good big man. And that's the thing. They all have a good big man. That's the key. You look at Miami, Bam Adebayo, the Lakers, Anthony Davis, the Sixers, Joel Embiid, the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, the Jazz, Rudy Gobert. So I'm saying there's a lot of teams that are just a little piece away from being a good or a contending team in their respective conferences. And a good example of this would be looking at the Toronto Raptors. Obviously losing Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol was huge for them on the defensive side of things. They weren't as efficient defensively just because they didn't have those guys this season to step up and shut down big guys. You have Chris Boucher. He's a great player. Like I always say in my podcast, they deserve to give him more minutes. But here's the thing. If they have a defensive presence in Andre Drummond, that team's going to be a lot different because guys are going to have to take him away and they're not going to be able to double other guys. They're going to have to keep a guy on Andre Drummond because he's so board dominant. And I think that that's definitely going to open things up for Toronto. If they get a guy like Andre Drummond, the lanes are going to open up because big guys aren't going to be able to help as much because they have to worry about getting the rebounds. And so bringing Andre Drummond to a team like that definitely will bring more life especially in a team like Toronto that's just a piece away from making a difference. They obviously haven't been off to a super hot start this season. I think they bring in Andre Drummond. That's going to bring a lot of defensive and offensive presence in that they need, and I think it's going to make a difference. Another team that I think would be a great fit for someone like Andre Drummond is the Boston Celtics. Obviously, they're looking for a playmaker, a big man. I'm not sure if he's the best guy for them, but he's somebody, and I think that they have a lot to offer. Another team that Andre Drummond would look very good on is the Charlotte Hornets. I think you match him with LaMelo Ball. I think that's going to be a great offensive fit. LaMelo Ball creates so much offensively, and the Hornets are really missing a big guy. They have a lot of guard presence. They have a lot of good wing players, but they need someone down low that's dominant. And I think when you bring a guy like Andre Drummond into a franchise like that, especially with a lot of young talent, I think his veteran and his leadership is definitely going to pay off. And guys are going to learn a lot. You have a young big guy in Vernon Carey Jr. I think that he's going to get a lot better, especially playing behind someone like Andre Drummond. I think it's time for Bismack Biombo to go. No offense to him, but he's been around a while. Same with Zeller. I think that you bring a guy in like Andre Drummond, that team's made a lot of moves in the last year, and they're going to be scary. They have a lot of talent on that team. Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk. I mean, those guys are all good players. You look at Jalen McDaniels, he's on there as well. There, There's good talent on that team. You surround a guy like LaMelo Ball with more pieces, he's going to be better. 
And I think LaMelo Ball is definitely the franchise player of that team. I watched him play a month ago. He's going to be an all-star next year. I, I do rightfully believe that he will be an all-star in the NBA next season. But if you bring Andre Drummond onto that Hornets team, a lot of differences in the right direction are going to be made, and I think Charlotte will be able to take the next steps. The last team that I want to see Andre Drummond potentially end up on is the San Antonio Spurs. You see that they're trying to get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge, which I'll touch on next, but they don't have a huge big guy on that team. They don't have a big presence. And I think with the playmakers the Spurs have in Derek White, you look at DeJounte Murray, you look at DeMar DeRozan, you look at Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, there's a lot of good perimeter players on that team and they need a post presence. And you get a guy like Andre Drummond in, I'm telling you, it's going to be a defensive nightmare for other teams because the offensive boards are going to be crashed nonstop. I think this will help the Spurs on the offensive side of the glass a lot and the defensive side, but I think bringing in Andre Drummond, especially in the Greg Popovich system with fundamental basketball is going to be good. I think Andre Drummond will get a lot better, and I think the Spurs will be a lot better if they bring in a big guy and a big presence like Andre Drummond to their roster at some point before the season ends. Now you look at a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge. I told you I was going to touch on him. I think it's time that we properly address what I think about him and where I think he should go. So you look at LaMarcus Aldridge. He's getting older. He had a great career in Portland. He's been in San Antonio for the last five years or so. He is getting bought out by the Spurs, it looks like, and he's trying to find a new home. The Spurs are trying to find a new home for him. And the leading contenders so far are the Celtics, the Heat, and the Trailblazers. And here's what I think about this whole LaMarcus Aldridge situation. I hope that he goes back to Portland and ends his career where he started it. I think if he signs like a two or three year contract, retires in Portland, I think that bringing LaMarcus Aldridge in as a power forward, he's still putting up like 18 a game, you know? And so it's one of those things that you bring him in, Portland's going to be so much better. They're going to be so good. So I think it's important that you bring in a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge into Portland and surround the other big guys, obviously, Yusuf Nurkic has been having some injury problems. Zach Collins, they both are always injured. And so I think if you have a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, you can rely on him to stay healthy. I think that he'll definitely be a difference maker. Obviously, he loves Portland. He was there for so long. Loves Damian Lillard. He's got a lot of great friends and connection in Portland. And so I think that if you put him in a situation like that, he's happy. I think this Portland team's going to be elevated. And I think he would thrive playing in Portland at the power forward position. Now, Talking about the Celtics and the Heat, the Heat, he would also be a great fit for. He's someone that can stretch the floor. He shoots long mid-range shots and can shoot the three ball. So I think you bring a guy like this on there with the Heat's four-out scheme, they won't need to play that anymore. They could play three men out with a high post and a low post and bam out of bio. Whereas right now, they're mostly playing with a high post and four guys out. But you look at LaMarcus Aldridge, he can also stretch the floor. He's not going to play post, but they can also play small ball where they put him as the five and play four guards around him. And so I think it's one of those things that you put him on a team like Miami, obviously great culture down there in Miami, great stars. You look at Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. You have a lot of young talent, Tyler here, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. You have veteran leadership like Goran Dragic. So I think you put LaMarcus Aldridge on that team, you're going to see good things happen. The other team, the Boston Celtics, obviously they're looking for that playmaker. They need a four. That's the position they're looking for right now. I think LaMarcus Aldridge would be a good fit for them. I don't think that he's the perfect fit for them, like I said with Andre Drummond. I think that's someone that if they desperately need a four, they're going to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge. But I think that they should target a wing perimeter player that can play the four and size up. I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is the right fit for them in that four spot, but I do think he'd be a great addition to that team. 
I think that LaMarcus Aldridge is a great player. He does have a couple years of life left into him, but I think that he's going to definitely make a difference on any team that he goes to, and I'm anxious to see where he ends up playing. The next player that I want to talk about today is John Collins. Just touching on the Celtics and talking about how they need a perimeter playmaker, obviously the Celtics have been targeting him right now. They're looking to add him to their roster just to fit that four spot and bring a lot of depth in. But here's the twist. I'm not sure what Boston would be able to give Atlanta in return because John Collins isn't a free agent right now. So either they wait till the end of the season and try to make a deal or they have to make a trade right now. And so looking at that, I think that John Collins would bring a lot to Boston. I think that he provides a lot offensively. He spaces the floor well. I think that he would match up well with other teams because guys have to target John Collins as well. You look at other teams when they play the Celtics, they're always trying to cancel out Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. But I think when you add John Collins to that mix, it's just so different because now that you put your focus on Tatum and Brown, you have to kind of sit back and say, oh, there's other guys that can make plays on this team now too. And so it's one of those things that you can't let John Collins make plays because you have to take him away or he'll get hot. And you've seen him get hot. He's played well. He's He can score the ball well. And he can be dominant on the offensive board. So I think that with Boston acquiring him, I think it's going to open a lot of things up. And I think it's going to be a defensive nightmare for other teams because you look at how efficient Boston already is with two of their perimeter stars. Now you add a flex big guy in there, a flex four. I think it just spaces the floor out so well. And you have a veteran point guard in Kemba Walker. I think that Boston, with no doubt in my mind, will be the top dog in the Eastern Conference if they were to acquire a guy like John Collins. I think that it'd be the huge difference maker. I think that they'd be up there with Brooklyn. I really do because you look at the amount of stars on that team and obviously Brooklyn has more and their stars are better. But you look at Boston, it's you can only have so many on a team. And I think that they would have four great playmakers. You have one of the best defensive guards in Marcus Smart. And then obviously Tristan Thompson's been playing so well. And it would be a depth thing for Boston. You'd move Tice to the bench. And you could even play small ball and put John Collins at the five and move Tice to the bench as well. And so I think that definitely is a defensive nightmare for a lot of teams. But I'm anxious to see what happens with John Collins and what teams decide to do uh, when targeting him, especially Boston. I'm not sure what they could offer, like I said, but I think he'd be an interesting fit for that Celtic squad. And I'm excited to see where things go over the next couple weeks. The next thing that I want to talk about today is the return of Karis LeVert and what this means for the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, the Pacers, they got a lot of young talent on this team. I think they have an emerging start every single season. You look at TJ Warren, you look at DeMontis Sabonis, you look at Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo in the past before he was traded. I think they have a guy that steps up every single year, Miles Turner. And so I think that adding Karis LeVert is definitely a huge factor for them. He's averaging over 18 points a game right now. Obviously being a role player for Brooklyn, but definitely one of the best role players in the NBA. He's one of the best playmakers. He can take over a game. He can be a first or second option on a lot of teams in the NBA. So I think bringing a guy like this onto a loaded Indiana Pacers squad, I think that Levert will definitely be a top option. And I think that he'll offer a lot for this team defensively and offensively. I do believe that Malcolm Brogdon's production levels will go down a little bit. So will his minutes because Karis Levert will be playing in there too. Um, obviously TJ McConnell as well he's a great player his minutes will also sadly go down a little bit but I think that when you look at these teams in the Eastern Conference they're so loaded right now there's like six teams that are absolutely stacked 
and every other team's buns. So I think that this is huge for Indiana to add a guy like Karis LeVert and have him back from injury because he just started playing this last week. I think that this Pacer team's going to get a lot better. I think that they're going to definitely surprise a lot of people, and I think that they're going to be a legit team in the East. I don't think that they're going to make it far. I could see them making it to the second round, though. I could see them knocking someone off. They'll definitely be a 5, 6, or 7 seed. Most likely, I think they're going to land around that 6 seed, but I definitely think they'll have that playoff security where they don't have to worry about a play-in game. The 7, I think that's as low as they're going to go. I definitely think they're going to start winning games, especially now that you add Karis LeVert into the lineup. As long as he blends together well with this team, I think that this Indiana squad will be dangerous. I think that they have a lot of perimeter threats, and I think that they'll be able to close games very well. And so that's what I see when I look at this Indiana Pacers squad. I see them making a difference. I see them definitely stepping up in the second half of the season. And I see Karis LeVert being a huge difference maker for this team as he slowly works his way back into playing for this team and playing basketball again. Obviously, he had that devastating uh, lung injury. And so I think that he definitely will be out of basketball shape for a little bit. He's started to work back into things, but he's going to be on a limited minute restriction. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the lineup for the Pacers over time and how he's able to figure out his role with his new squad with only so much time left in the NBA season. The next thing I want to talk about, Joel Embiid, what's going on with him, what this means for Philadelphia. I think Joel Embiid is the centerpiece for the 76ers. I think you take him away, this team doesn't have the kind of success that they used to have. Ben Simmons was disrespected on national television by the Wizards commentator saying that Ben Simmons is the most overrated player in the NBA. I think that Ben Simmons does bring a lot for this team, but it definitely just like a lot of things have not been going the Sixers way. First that this week, and then you look at the injury to Joel Embiid where he could miss multiple weeks, but it's one of those things that it's a bone bruise. And so it definitely, there's not really a timetable. It's when it decides to heal. And so it depends on the severity of that and when Joel Embiid feels like he's completely capable of playing at the level he was before. So I think that with Joel Embiid out, Philadelphia is going to drop. I think that Brooklyn's going to remain and retain the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think Brooklyn's like half a game behind right now. So they pretty much have the same record. You look at Brooklyn, they're 12-1 and in their last 13 games. James Harden has nine triple doubles since joining the team. They just acquired Blake Griffin at that power forward position. Brooklyn's looking scary. They're up and running. Kevin Durant, they're being cautious with him. He hasn't even been playing. And they're 12-1 and in their last 13. So once KD gets back, it's over for the rest of the Eastern Conference. I think that the regular season, once again, doesn't matter for Brooklyn. But I do think that if Philadelphia lands the one seed, I think that'd be scary come playoff time. Just because of statistically how good Philadelphia is at home. But Joel Embiid right now, he needs to rest up, man, because Philadelphia needs to keep one of those higher seeds if they want any chance of making a deep run in the playoffs. So prayers up for Joel Embiid. Hopefully he heals. I'm not sure what things are going to look like for the Sixers. They're definitely not going to be what they were. I think the Sixers will start to be around that 500 range. When you look at their games played without Joel Embiid, they're definitely going to be like 4-4 four and four or 5-5, five and five, something like that. They're definitely not going to be winning eight out of 10 games without Joel Embiid in that lineup. I think that they're going to start losing a couple games, but hopefully Philadelphia can retain one of those high seeds still. If they can land in one of those top two or three seeds in the Eastern Conference, I think that Philadelphia has a legit shot at making a deep run in the playoffs, but I definitely think one of those one or two seeds is the best option for Philadelphia if they want to go anywhere come playoff time, and I think a healthy Joel Embiid is definitely the best play for this squad when you look at the future of this team and the longevity of the 
NBA season if they want to make a deep run. They need to have their best player healthy. I think Joel Embiid is the MVP candidate of the year, and when he's healthy, this team is thriving. So Joel Embiid needs to rest up, and for right now, Philadelphia needs to start winning games without their best player to prove to other teams and coaches in the NBA that they're a legit threat without their MVP candidate. Now for the end of this episode, I would like to touch on my predictions for the teams in their respective conferences where I think they're going to land at the end of the year. So first looking at the Western Conference, just looking at the seeds in the West right now, I would say that Phoenix definitely, I believe, will be the one seed. I think that the Suns are on fire right now. I think that they'll surprise a lot of people and they'll be the one seed. I think that it all depends though on Anthony Davis when he returns. I see the Los Angeles Lakers at the two seed. I see the Los Angeles Clippers at the three seed. And here's why. I see both LA teams as a giant threat. I think they're the biggest threats. I trust both those teams in the playoffs. I don't really trust Phoenix yet because Phoenix is new. Although they have Chris Paul, I think that they don't have a lot of playoff experience. And you look at some of the grit behind some of these other players like LeBron and Kawhi Leonard, they know how to get it done in the playoffs. And I think that that's going to be a huge factor when you look at what team makes what seed um, in the Western Conference. I definitely think that Phoenix is going to be the one, but I don't think that they're going to be the best team in the West because I just don't think they have that playoff experience. So I see Phoenix being the one seed, but I don't see them being the team that walks out of the Western Conference. I do see either the LA teams being that team that walks out, though, at the two or three. At the fourth seed, I see the Utah Jazz. I think that Utah is going to be a four seed. I think they're going to have home court. They're a great team, but I don't think that they're going to remain the top dogs in the NBA. They're slowly going to start fading off, and I think that Right now, they start off the season very hot, but I think this second half, they're going to get a realization check. Drop a little bit, but I think it's going to be pretty close. I think that Portland will be the five seed, not far behind them. I'm excited to see that. I'd love to see that first round matchup of Donovan Mitchell and CJ McCollum, and then Gobert and uh, Nurkic, obviously, but I think that would be a good matchup. I think I could see Portland walking out of that. Uh, the sixth seed in the West, I definitely think is Denver. That Denver team is loaded. They have a lot of talent. Seventh seed, I see Dallas. I think Dallas definitely is the front runner in that. The eighth seed, I see Golden State. I think Steph Curry definitely is one of the best point guards in the NBA, and he's a difference maker for sure. They have that playoff experience. Steve Kerr's a great coach. Nine seed, I see the Spurs. Greg Popovich, great coach. Can't count them out. DeMar DeRozan's doing great things for them this year. The 10 seed, I see the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans have a lot of talent. Lonzo Ball's been playing very well lately. You look at their two stars in Ingram and Williamson. You look at the young talent they have with Jackson Hayes, Kira Lewis Jr. I think that those guys are definitely huge factors for that team. And then my first team out, I do believe is the Memphis Grizzlies. I just don't think they have enough this year to get there. Obviously, been dealing with some injuries throughout the year. John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. at points of the season. So I see Memphis as that first team out. But in the West, I definitely see those being the matchups. I, I think it's scary when you say Dallas is the seventh seed because last year you saw that they, they gave the Clippers a good run for their money until Porzingis got hurt. And I think if he can stay healthy or they acquire someone uh, big like Andre Drummond or a big free agent, I think that Dallas could be a legit team. I think that they have some defensive struggles, but if they can figure that out, I think they're a scary seven seed. And those are my seeds that I have for the Western Conference. I'm not sure who's going to walk out of what, but I do see the LA teams, definitely one of them being the team that walks out of the Western Conference. So now looking at the Eastern Conference, where I see teams landing, definitely depends on Embiid's factor of his health. 
I think that that's a huge thing depending on where Philadelphia will land. But I think Brooklyn will take over the one. I think Philadelphia will be the two. I see Boston being the three. And then at the four seed, I see Milwaukee. You can't count out Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's a great player. This Milwaukee team, definitely, they're definitely a lot better. I think that this Milwaukee team's legit. I could definitely see them not making the second round exit this year, depending on who they match up with in the first round. Um, so I see Milwaukee at that four seed. That five seed, I see Miami. The six seed, six seed, I definitely see Indiana. I think that the addition of Karis LeVert finally being able to play for them is going to make a huge difference. I think that this Indiana team is getting overlooked by a lot of people. So I see them being that six seed in the East. The seven seed, I definitely see Atlanta being the team that walks out of there at that seven seed. Trey Young is going to propel them in the playoffs. They have a lot of offensive firepower on that team. The eight seed, I see the Hornets. LaMelo Ball, they're going to squeak in there. That nine seed, I see the Knicks. I think that the Knicks have a lot of talent, and I think that they're going to start getting the job done. Julius Randle and RJ Barrett have been playing great for them. And then finally at that 10 seed, I see the Raptors. You can't count them out, but I think that if they get a guy like Andre Drummond, they're definitely going to move into like the six or seven range. All these teams are pretty close in record, and they will finish pretty close in record. My first team out, I have the Orlando Magic or the Chicago Bulls. It'll be one of those two. It'll be close. But Orlando's consistently made the playoffs the last couple of years as a seven or eight seed. So I can't really say I can count them out, but it definitely will be a bubble ending. It'll be so crazy because... All these teams, it'll really come down to the end of the season and the very last couple games of the regular season to see what teams get what seeds. So that's just something that I think in the Eastern Conference, I really see Brooklyn being the contenders walking out of the East. I think that Philadelphia and Milwaukee would be a great first-round matchup, but I see Boston and Brooklyn definitely being the two better teams and more experienced teams in the playoffs. Uh come playoff time, especially if there's those two and those three. But that's the thing is, like I said with the West, the Lakers and Clippers, I think, are the two best teams, and the Nets and the Celtics, I think, are the two best playoff teams in the East. And so that's the thing is, unfortunately, those guys are going to have to match up in the semifinals, and I really think that should be the conference finals. So who knows? Maybe they'll both get one and two, Brooklyn and Boston and the two LA teams, but that's my prediction for the regular season endings. I don't think the both one seeds in the West or the East that I predicted are the best teams in those conferences. I don't think come playoff time, they're the best teams and I don't know what to expect from them. But like I said, I think that there's going to be a lot of great matchups with those predictions that I had. I'd love to see Boston and Brooklyn matchup as well as the two LA teams in the semifinals. And I would love to see the matchup of Milwaukee and Philadelphia. I think that Giannis and Joel Embiid It'll be great to watch Giannis being the MVP the last two seasons and then Joel Embiid most likely being it this season. I think that'll be great for a lot of teams. Phoenix most likely is probably going to play Portland if Portland's at five seed. I could see Portland beating whoever is the four seed regardless of who it is just because Portland has that depth. I think that Portland knows how to get job done in the playoffs and I think that the Blazers have a lot of a lot of bright potential in them. You look at guys like Gary Trent, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, they know how to play. And I think Dame Time's really going to show up come playoff time. And they're definitely going to make the second round this year. So I see Portland definitely probably matching up with Phoenix in that second round of the playoffs. But I definitely think Dallas is a scary team in the playoffs, especially when they're healthy. Nobody's going to want to play them. And I definitely see Miami being a scary team as well as Atlanta come playoff time for any of those teams in the Eastern Conference. But 
That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast. I'm excited that I was able to provide you with some updates of the NBA and some predictions of who I think is going to go where and what teams I think are going to end up in what seeds before the regular season ends. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I'm excited to bring you more news surrounding the NBA next week.